everybody it is me matt Wright here live with you on this thursday evening and honestly i appreciate each and every one of you that tunes in on thursday evenings because i know there's a lot of things that you could be doing on thursday evening like for instance watching carolina versus houston if you wanted to torture yourself that way but i appreciate that you are here with me on the writer's block uh because uh Without you, I would just be talking to, well, Randall Daniel today for uh, my own enjoyment Um, and not for all of you people out there. So I am glad that each and every one of you are here. So thank you. Also, thank you to the wonderful and fine people at, oddly enough, Muddy Water Cava. Um, That's their name. They named it after this show. You can ask him. Uh, Muddy Water Kava for the kava that I'm drinking on today's episode. Uh, so to Muddy Water Kava and to all of you, I say, Bula Vinaka. Let's pay some bills. First and foremost, this episode is brought to you by the wonderful and fantastic people at the Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus. The fastest growing and second largest caucus in the Libertarian Party and, and the largest waffle-related caucus anywhere just anywhere. So if you want to become a member of the Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus, all you have to do is go to muddiedwatersmedia.com slash store and get yourself a Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus button. If you want to become a voting member, get a t-shirt. Get a t-shirt. The Gravy King. 
Fierce Luxury by Ashley. Fierce Luxury is a high-end bag and accessory consignment store based online. Uh, they carry the hottest brands, and I don't own any of these brands. Uh, so I think it's Louis Vuitton, Channel, Goosey, and Herms. And you can consign with them for a 30% fee, which apparently is 20% less than most consignment stores. Uh, and you can find them online at fierceluxurybyashley.com or in the exclusive Facebook group, Fierce Luxury by Ashley. Adderpan is the most terrifying game you can possibly uh, you can possibly buy for $5. Uh, if you want to be required to go to therapy for the rest of your life. All you have to do is uh, spend, go over to Steam and get the game Adderpan, and for the rest of your life, you will get free expansion packs and be terrified constantly. Uh, you may need Adderpan if you play Adderpan. I don't even know what Adderpan is for. I just know it's a drug. Uh, Thomas Queter, he is rolling for state senate in New York. Uh, and as he says, I run better than Albany. We didn't say that. He says this. He, he makes us say these things. He has paid us money to say these things about him. Uh, but Tom is a fantastic man. He is running for state Senate. Uh, and if there's ever a time that New York needed a libertarian in the state Senate, it is now. So go to Tom for 52.com. That is T O M F O R five, two.com and support Tom today. Are you one of those people who wakes up in the morning and is like, man, I hate coffee because I'm not. But if you are one of those people, you should make the switch to mud water. It is a coffee alternative with masala chai, cacao, mushrooms, turmeric, sea salt, cinnamon, and that is it. Uh, and that tastes exactly like that combination of things. Sounds like it would taste. So uh, if you are one of the people who wants to see what that tastes like, you should go to muddiedwaters.com. Sorry, muddiedwatersmedia.com slash mud and make the switch today. Cumberland Cannabis. Now, the sentence I'm about to say is probably, my guest is going to disagree with me, but Tennessee perfected whiskey. And they, <laughs> and they have perfected basically anything they have ever touched. So when they got their hands on CBD Delta 8, you know it's going to be the best CBD Delta 8 that you can possibly get anywhere. So if you want viable, ethical, and effective CBD Delta 8, go to CumberlandCannabisCo.com. Jack Casey, he's written these books. I'm pretty certain that they're porn. He says they're fantasy, but he has never expounded on that fact. Uh, he's never told me what kind of fantasy. So I assume that it is all porn, especially by looking at the covers. So if you are into fantasy level porn, uh, go to theroyalgreen.com to buy all three books in the Royal Green series. I have not read them, obviously. I have no idea what they're about, uh, but... Jack Casey pays me to ask you to buy them, and I really hope you do, so Jack Casey continues to pay me. And Joe Sawaski, he is running for Pennsylvania governor, and you, fine people, if you live in the Pennsylvania region of these United States, could vote for the first libertarian governor in the history of the world. So, I just had to kill a mosquito on my cup. Um, so, head on over to... 
J-O-E-S-O-L-O-S-K-I.com to support Joe Soloski. He is the he will make Pennsylvania mightier than the sword of authoritarian government. Uh, again, this is a Muddy Waters Media production. You can find us on all social media. Uh, find us on Anchor. Become a subscriber on Anchor. But my next guest, my guest tonight, is the chair of the Libertarian Party of Kentucky. He, unfortunately, well, good for me because that means he's here, uh, is not at the event um, with Spike and all of them. Uh, and we're going to get into why but please welcome with me the one, the only, Randall Daniel. How are you? Hey, I'm doing pretty well. Yourself? <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, so normally I like to start off by asking uh, how it is that you got to be a libertarian or how you be, found yourself in the Libertarian Party, joined the Liberty Movement, whatever. But uh, for you, I have a different question that I have to ask first. All right. My my great grandfather, his name is Charles Mallory Hatfield. How awkward is this interview going to be? My aunt's name is Glenda Hatfield. Oh, okay. Hey. (laughs) 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 I wasn't. I knew you had roots in Kentucky, and I was not sure which way this was going. Deep roots in Kentucky, and yeah, it's the same Hatfields, I imagine. Um, I would imagine. You know, yeah. So um, real quick to touch on, um, so I might hack and wheeze and cough a little bit during this interview, and I apologize in advance. Uh, anybody who caught me on uh, Break the Cycle last night, I was half dead. Josh Smith was half dead. He's fighting the Rona. I'm thankfully only fighting strep throat, but um, that's why I'm not up there in northern Kentucky today for that protest, because I would hate to get somebody sick. Um, you know, strep throat is not comfortable, and I don't want to be liable for coughing on somebody. And it's uh, particularly not socially acceptable these days. I might get no. shot for doing that. I was uh, I was at a Kava bar a couple of weeks ago and like I vape constantly. Anybody that watches this show or knows me in real life uh, knows that this is not just an act like I, I do this all day long. And so I obviously cough and I, I was at a Kava bar and I coughed and it was like one of those deep coughs that came from like way down. And somebody at the bar was like, do you remember when a cough didn't sound like a gunshot? And I was like. Yeah. 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 But they all know me and they know I vape constantly and they're like, well, you don't take care of yourself. You're probably going to die next year. So, uh, you know, you're fine. Uh, we know that it's going to be from vaping too much and destroying your lungs. Um, uh, yes. From the original Hatfields and McCoys. Yes. That is the Hatfields we are referring to when we are talking about the Hatfields. My, so Charles, Charles Mallory Hatfield, uh, he left the fan, just so everybody knows he left uh, the Tennessee, West Virginia area, and he became famous for being the world's most successful rainmaker. And there is a uh, there's a movie about him. It's a musical called The Rainmaker, not the movie with Matt Damon. That's not the one. Um, and that is about my great grandfather, Charles Mallory Hatfield. But don't believe what they say in the movie. He was really a piece of crap who never owned like he ne- he never admitted to fathering my grandfather. Um, but it's him. Uh, so 
Great guy. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> yep. Um, based on that, I should be on the McCoy side, but I'm still like, no, it's in my blood. I hate all of them. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so how is it that you came to find yourself in the uh, on on the island of misfit toys with the Libertarian Party and in this movement? Well, uh, a little bit of background. Uh, I come from, you know, a farming family. Uh, my mom's side has been farmers for generations. My dad's side has been mostly tradesmen and farmers, a little bit of mixed bag there. You know, electricians, plumbers, pipe fitters, welders, farmers, more farmers, and occasionally, sadly, the stray politician. Um, so that's where I kind of fit in. My brother's a farmer, and unfortunately, I'm, I'm better with uh, words than I am with, uh, with pigs. But, uh, you know. What we we all make uh, do with what we got, but um, <laughs> what initially got me into the Libertarian Party was uh, local activism. That's how I got into the party itself. I needed I needed a vehicle to change my community. Um, I've always been ideologically a libertarian, and that's where it comes from being a farmer. Uh, my dad he taught me about you know self reliance, raising your own food, not relying on the government. Um, the taxation is theft, you know, like those normal lessons, you know, I mean, he, he never used that terminology, but, um, you know, eggs for cash or corn, you know, just, you know, not, not, not out. In the, he's always, tax. He's, but, um, and my mom, you know, she taught me to read, to, you know, take an interest in education because she's a teacher. Um, my mom retired after 28 years of teaching elementary school. And so I've got an older brother, a younger sister. I grew up on a farm. My mom was a teacher. I don't think you could get any more classic American than that. Um, no, that's that's pretty. That's pretty red blooded American right there. Well, I'm gonna say it's yellow, like gold blooded there. You know, yeah, that's fair. That's fair, right? Yeah, because <laughs> um, liberty. Yeah, no, both my parents have a very strong libertarian lean. Um, growing up, they weren't registered libertarian, but I think they might have now that I've run for office. Uh, my brother's been always registered libertarian, and my sister's currently with her husband over in South Korea. So, you know, it's not like they're too involved in politics. Well, pr- probably more so now than ever before. <laughs> <laughs> got to be a little worried now um yeah yeah he's stationed over there for context uh, he's in the army so oh it's all politics for him <laughs> it is all politics for him yeah um yeah. so you have a serious roots in kentucky then that's why i was a little worried about you know if we were going to just start out hating each other in this interview um but oh, i don't hate anybody <laughs> uh apparently um there's a story behind this flag. Yeah. So um, Kentucky was founded at a location called Harold's Fort. Um, two pioneering groups set out to settle Kentucky and those two groups coming together at this initial settlement, Harold's Fort, uh, it's kind of the depiction there on that flag. Um, the original seal was made by a guy named Isaac Shelby. He was the first governor of the state of Kentucky. But uh, the two men depicted are, uh, you know, modernly people say they're just, you know, like faceless or nameless caricatures, but it's really two 
particular people, one of which is Daniel Boone, the frontiersman who took the Cumberland Gap and took, you know, uh, the Kentucky River downstream and settled in Harold's Fort and founded Boonesboro. Um, There's another man on that. And his name's Walker Daniel. Um, Walker, he took a river route. He um, went northern um, into Pennsylvania, uh, found what is now the Ohio River, took it down south, finding um, where the Kentucky River meets the Ohio and sailed upstream and found Harold's Fort, eventually buying 70 acres of land from uh, Crow's Station and uh, or a place now called Crow Station and um, settled Danville, the first capital of Kentucky. So Walker on that flag is uh, a man who, you know, of my family, and he is the statesman. He is the first attorney general of the county of Kentucky, Virginia. And he wrote the secessionary paper for Kentucky to leave Virginia in um, 1784, citing hostilities with the with the locals and a necessity of local governance to be able to negotiate, treaty, and react. Uh, three months later, he died in um, a place called Bullets Lick, which is actually the place where I currently am sitting. Um, like during this interview, uh, I am less than one mile in my home from where Walker died um, on on ground that is still in my family today and was a big reason why I got involved in politics was to fight eminent domain. And I didn't even know all of this when I got involved in politics. Um, I just knew that the government was being a bunch of mean bullies and trying to make my dad sell ground that he didn't want to, that had been in our family for a long time. And a bunch of my neighbors who weren't able to protest due to careers in the military or being retirees or all sorts of other prerequisite you know um i was young i was in my 20s and i've got no kids and i'm unmarried so you know if somebody's gonna you know fight the fight i'm at the age so uh i got involved in you know local level activism met some uh libertarians and spun up my county affiliate that so that is absolutely incredible like so daniel boone is the one on the i'm assuming that he's the one on the left yeah, yeah, he's the one in leather, and then the guy in uh, a suit is the lawyer. Unfortunately, I'm from the lawyer. <laughs> you're, you're from the, yeah, you're 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 from the lawyers side of everything. Yeah, um, yeah, but he fought in the Revolutionary War, and um, you know, like Walker is a really interesting figure. I highly recommend people uh, check him out. Uh, he apprenticed under one of our founding fathers for his. Um, I, I'd have to look up the. You know, I got notes on all of this, but. Um, you know, he, he's a pretty exciting guy. No, that, that is, I mean, that's a lot cooler than my great grandfather was a rainmaker. Um, well, there's bad in my family too. If you look back like, um, uh, Supreme court justice, uh, Peter Vivian, Daniel, um, right. like that, that's a, uh, <laughs> um, huh. That's where everybody's telling me my mic is going out and I don't understand why that's happening. Um, sorry. Uh, hopefully, hopefully it hangs on for the rest of this episode and, uh, then we can, I'll, I'll have to figure that out quickly. Um, anyway, uh, so 
So it was because, so you got into politics because of uh, eminent domain and them attempting to steal land from your family, essentially. Mm-hmm. And yeah, um, that- I lived next to a little neighborhood that um, the city was saying that their water pressure was too low. So they wanted to run in a supplementary water line through some of my dad's property. Right. And they were offering him $2,500 roughly for right away on a hundred acres of ground, which is part of my language. Fucking ridiculous. Right. Um, <laughs> Trust me that that language is fine on this show. Uh, I accidentally say it often whenever I have technical issues. Um, <laughs> but yeah, eminent domain is one of those, is one of those issues that you see pop up like everywhere. And they're just like, no, we're going to take this from you now. And you have zero choice. And that is actually one of the reasons that Spike is currently in Kentucky uh, is because of an eminent domain case. Uh, A lot of people in the comments have been asking if other people have seen uh, Spike handing it to the people at the city council meeting. Uh, I haven't seen it yet. I was at work and then I was doing some prep for this. Um, Have you seen have you seen what what happened today? Yeah, I was watching it while I was cutting my grass earlier. Now, I, I might have missed a word here or there because I was, you know, push mowing and hacking and wheezing throughout it. Um, but, you know, uh, Spike, you know, he, he gave it to him. Um, you know, he, he's a great man with his words, a lot better than I am. Um, he basically told him to, you know, pick on somebody their own size. Um told him that there's alternatives to eminent domain, that if they're really like he stressed the, you know, the political element of it, that this is not going to be beneficial to you all. It's going to cause a world of hurt and pain for your reelection. It's going to cause you guys to be uh, excommunicated from your community. And also then he stressed the humanitarian side. And I think that that's where Spike really excels is humanizing people and issues and just making everything real and tangible. Um, I think that that's what a lot of politics lack is that we start thinking about things like eminent domain and property rights and they're abstract. Um, right. What are they and in the tangible sense? And it seems odd to think of property in a non-tangible sense, but so often we, we forget that it's people and livelihoods and food. And that, and I mean, that's a great way to put it in, as much crap as I like to give Spike, uh, because, you know, we do a show together, we own Muddied Waters Media together, and we're, you know, like brothers. Um, he is he is fantastic at selling the message. Uh, he is so good at selling the message because he can he can attack somebody on on their idea while still talking to them like a human being and selling them yeah. on this is what would be good if you didn't do this. And this is a different approach that you could take that would achieve the exact same thing where you don't need to worry about where you don't need to worry about, um, you know, losing reelection, being hated by everybody in this town for what you are attempting to do. He has that ability to do that seamlessly. Um, He just talks too much sometimes. Um, (laughs) I'm guilty of that. Uh, I'm, I'm probably the most long-winded person you'll met aside you'll ever meet, except for Ken Molman. <laughs> so I've okay. So I've met Ken Molman uh, one or two times, and he was never that long-winded with me. Everybody has said oh. this about him. 
he's just always like, well, yeah, you know, and he kind of talked to me a little bit and then he was just like, but, but I don't know. And I was like, all right, cool. Did, oh, see, you didn't ask him a question. I did. I, 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 oh. asked, I asked him cause this was, uh, I saw him in Mississippi, uh, right before, while he, it was like the last few days that he was the interim chair. And I asked him who he thought was going to win. And he gave me a very political answer that was very short, could have been a fantastic sound bo- soundbite. And uh, I was like, okay. And then he was just like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go. I was like, all right. Well, you, all right. So he's, he's notoriously <laughs> long winded on the phone, I guess. Um, I mean, he does get a little long winded whenever you're debating like rules or anything like that at the Kentucky uh, convention. Uh, right. So if anybody wants to hear Ken Mullman speak, um, he's actually chair of our rules committee this year here in Kentucky. So um, and I, I, I they, they elected me, the blind guy, as secretary. So, um, yay, I get to take notes. Um, but that's how I. But yeah, that. no, Ken on the phone. Um, we won't spend four hours talking about Star Wars and neither one of us is much of a Star Wars fan. <laughs> All right. That's if you're not, I don't know how you talk about star Wars for four hours. If you're not a star Wars fan, Uh, I'm a star Wars fan. I can't talk about star Wars for four hours. I have walked out. I've got a lot of gripe with it. I've got a lot of gripe with star Wars. Like I like it. I like what it could have been. I like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. It, It just disappoints me. Okay, so what aspect of this interview is going to change so much? What aspect of Star Wars disappoints you? All right, so like we can get like here's a quick one, right? Okay. Why do you need two hands on a lightsaber? That's not how you would really like. All right, so like Lucas was not much of a martial artist, right? And like he's, he's trying to like combine You're all of these styles. Lucas wasn't a martial artist. All right. No. <laughs> You're talking about right. George Lucas. The athletic, the peak of athleticism that George Lucas is not a martial artist. That's weird. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Like that irks me. Um, the whole like sci-fi or sci-fantasy. All right. So like sci-fi is one, one genre, right? Right. And then science fantasy is another genre. Right. And you know, it, 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 Star Wars, it, it, I, I much prefer like Lord of the Rings and true fantasy and things like that. Right. Like the first, my first book that ever brought me to libertarianism was the Lord of the Rings. Right. Cause Tolkien's an anarchist okay. and right. I, I really enjoy all of that. And I look at, you know, like it's just every single bit of star Wars is awkward and it's like, it could be so good. Right. But it's like all of these, like, why has he got to kiss his sister? So, okay. (laughs) That that happened in the first movie. At the time, they did not know that that was what was going to happen. Like, nobody knew that was going to happen. Lucas Lucas knew. Lucas did not know. Lucas did not know. Because when uh, uh, Lawrence Kasdan wrote the second one, uh, mm-hmm. that's who wrote the, 
that's who directed the second one. I think he wrote it too. Uh, when he wrote the second one, uh, Lucas didn't know that Darth Vader was going to be the dad. And he was like, oh, that's a good twist. I really like that. And then they needed a twist for the third movie. And they were like, what are, what are we going to do? And so they're like, oh, let's make Leia, who's never shown any force potential really in these movies, make her the sister. And so at the time when that kiss happened, they did not know that it was a brother-sister thing. I'm certain George would want to take that one back. But unfortunately, it's such a pivotal scene that you can't get rid of it. You see how it's all so awkward? Like, it wasn't like... He had some good concepts. He had a good, like, mythos that he could build a world around. But, like... It, it all needed a little bit more maturity and development before he like if Lucas would have brought it out like five years later after thinking on it a little longer, I think, it, I, I don't know. I, don't, I mean, I can't curse. So, it. He, he's made a product. The product has sold millions of millions of dollars worth of yeah, billions, billions of dollars. Right. Billions. But like as a continuity, it is shaky at best. Like, if, if you're looking at like world building and canonical elements of it, like what is currently considered canon in the Star Wars universe? Yeah, that, and that's a good question because uh, I know that the books were when Disney bought it, all the books and the extended universe stuff was decanonized. Uncan- like it's no longer considered canon. Um, yeah, the the prequels are canon, which eh, whatever. Even though they don't match, I like, like the prequels. Are- I was born in the nineties. Um, <laughs> the prequels don't match up with the original series. Like that's where, yeah, that's what where are metachlorians. Oh my God. Also Darth so Maul's lightsaber. Well, he's a really cool character. That thing's stupid. That thing is stupid. Um, stupid. There was like, have you ever done Hema or fencing or anything like that thing is stupid. They just wanted to show off Ray Park's ability to use a bow. Like that was all that was. They're just like, oh look, Ray Park, do do your thing. Um, yeah, like the the prequels, I wasn't a huge fan of because like the midichlorians are like, oh, they're these tiny little cell like organisms that are in the universe now, and it's not just you know spirits. It's you're actually born with this as opposed to something you can gain. Um, and that was that was where I had my issue with the prequels. Oh, and also uh, in the original series. Um, uh, Obi-Wan talks about how he met Darth Vader, uh, Anakin Skywalker, when he was a pilot. But then he meets him when he's a tiny little whiny, snot-nosed, terrible acting kid. Um, and I was just like, no, that's not when he meets him. He's supposed to meet him later in life. And yeah. I just, I had my issues with the prequels. That and like everybody knows what it was that started off the original the original series. Um, and then the prequels, it was over a trade war. Which that just makes for, that doesn't even make for good life. Like we all remember the trade war with China and Trump. Like that was really boring and ended up costing us money. That did not end in intergalactic war, unfortunately. And like, who's actually the good guys? Who's actually the good guys? I mean, I yeah, that's like Karate Kid. That's I mean, the, up the, to the viewer. I mean, the Jedi who capture these kids at birth and make them swear all these vows and, like, basically brainwash them into their religion. And, I mean, are are, are they the good guys? Are the Sith the good guys? Are the Huts the good guys? 
Like so, I, so I see it as instead of any of those being the good guys, I see it as the rebellion being the good guys, the people who are fighting against the government, and the Jedi that join the rebellion are part of the good guys. Yeah, but you know, when all said and done, look like what what, what did the rebellion net and what kind? Yeah, I don't know, like. Man, we're going to spend three hours on Star Wars. I'll just leave it at this. Um, I think that the best Star Wars product is the animated Clone Wars. Really? Over the Mandalorian? Yeah. yeah. I I mean, yeah. All right. I mean, I've got a degree of nostalgia for the animated Clone Wars, so that might be skewing it. Yeah. Yeah. I was born in 1993. Um, I man, I don't even want to tell you what I was doing in 1993. Um, but uh, okay, so let's let's switch gears because we literally could talk about Star Wars forever. But uh, I was told that I needed to grab a picture of a nearly extinct American chestnut tree. Yeah. Yeah, I was told that I need to get this picture, and I did not know why. So, well, why did I, I wasn't told what picture you were grabbing, so we're both kind of. Like... Um, so, according to Brian in my notes, he said uh, that you have an office building uh, in you have an office in old in an old building in downtown Louisville, and that I needed to have a picture of a large near extinct American chestnut tree. Mm -hmm. So the chestnut tree is what you would call a keystone species in the Appalachian to Eastern seaboard region. Uh, Most people have never seen one. um, And if you've seen a a chestnut in our area, it's probably an imported chestnut um, or a hybrid chestnut. So the western seaboard has the redwood, and over here we had the American chestnut. Um, it had a colloquial name as a uh, cradle-to-coffin tree. Uh, the tree grew so large that a man could furnish his entire life with one tree. Um, I'm talking 10-foot-in-diameter trees, Right. Um, you could build your home. You could build every stick of furniture in it. Your cradle to your coffin out of this one tree, right? And it was a good hardwood tree. And it was a cornerstone, a keystone to our entire ecological system in this region because it has a similar caloric yield per acre as commercial produced corn does. So like those chestnuts that it produces are a – fundamental part of American heritage all the way up until the 1920s. We've got all of these old uh, Christmas songs and the like, you know, chestnuts over an open fire and, right. um, you know, and, and you could make chestnut bread, the deer eat chestnuts, raccoons, everything. Right. Um, but what ended up happening is, um, and the reason why that ties to our office space is that our office was built in 1880. 
Um, so, you know, it's a 141 year old building. Um, it's got these beautiful, large raft, you know, like beams and everything in it. And, um, I enjoy woodworking. Like I've got a box of hand planes underneath the table that my laptop's on right now. I can, you know, pull out some old tools. Um, but I'm trying to get into like enthusiast level hand tool woodwork. Right. So I, I like trees. I like nature and our office has a lot of that present. But also, I think that the chestnut tree is a really good point for, you know, libertarianism. Um, you know, it's, um, you know, um, as our countries develop, a lot of people have um, rushed away from self-reliance, bringing in things from, you know, other countries, other regions, and not really using what's local to yourself. Um, and that's what actually doomed the chestnut tree. Um, so... The chestnut tree was almost completely eradicated over a couple of decades by, um, you know, uh, real estate, real estate developers um, in the 20s, bringing in um, Chinese chestnuts. And they brought a fungal blight with them, which um, once it infects a chestnut, uh, what will happen is the chestnut will die from that point up and it will cause rot and decay and eventually kill the whole tree. Well, a chestnut is in the beech family, which means that that blight can actually survive in other beech trees, even if it doesn't kill them. So all of your oaks and beeches um, will hold that blight. And so the chestnut hasn't been able to really come back in the last 100 years, even after it having died out, because similar trees are able to carry the blight. And so it's just become a, you know, that blight's just out there, right? Um, but... What's holding the chestnut tree back and what we can do as libertarians is that there's currently some research being done into um, taking a protein from wheat and getting it to make um, blight resistant chestnuts. And that will allow us to improve our environment around us. Um, I think that, you know, um, property rights, um, you know, conservation and, all, and libertarianism like that. That's the saving grace of humanity right there. Right. Um, if we're going to have generations to come, we need to be good stewards of the earth. And I think that, you know, um, economically, socially, libertarianism is the solution. And I think that, you know, the chestnut tree is one option that we as individuals need to explore. And we as political activists need to keep an eye on um, is that if we can bring that tree back, um, because it is one of those keystone species, um, it would do a lot to rejuvenate this entire region. And if you notice some of the poorer regions in our area, um, it's there's something missing. Right. Um, you know, some of the counties in Appalachia are some of the poorest, if not the poorest in all of America. But that's because their entire ecosystem has been disrupted. You know, um, if they had trees in their yard that gave them you know, plentiful food, like for generations, um, better timber rights, better, like the cleaner air, cleaner, every, you know, it, it's, that's why the chestnut tree is important to me. And I could go on for three hours about it, just like I could star Wars. And, uh, <laughs> I'm way more passionate about the chestnut tree, but, uh, every time I walk into the libertarian party office and I see the woodwork in there, um, it just, it inspires me, you know, it makes me want to make a better tomorrow, because of the chestnut tree and the promise that that tree holds for the generations to come after me. 
Yeah, and that I did not know that about the chestnut tree. One, I I did not know until when you were supposed to come on um whenever that was a few months ago. Uh I did not know that the American chestnut tree was near extinct. Um and yeah. I learned I learned more about the American chestnut tree in the last five minutes than I've ever known about it. Um, like I did not know that it was like a, a crib to uh, casket kind of thing. Uh, no clue on that, but that is absolute it's fantastic information. And as libertarians, because we are about, you know, conservation and, you know, property rights and that stuff, you can easily use the uh, technology and knowledge that we have today to bring something like that back and something so sustainable as that, that you could use for literally an entire generation, you would be yeah. able to have it and have it available and pass it on afterwards. Um, and plus and chestnuts over an open fire. Yeah. You, it's, it's cultural icon. It is. <laughs> It's it's exceptionally important. Um, where so I've been to, I used to live in Nashville. Um, so where in downtown Louisville is is the uh, is the office? Fourth Street. Okay, I know. Yeah, we're uh, right in Old Louisville. We're right on Fourth Street. Um, it's about a mile and a half, two miles. If any U of L students want to come up. Um, if you got anybody who's a current U of L student or any of the surrounding colleges, uh, come on in. We can probably set up a student organization or some sort of intern program with you. Um, we've got a student org over at UK. Um, you know, um, all we need is a couple of students and a professor and we can get you spun up. Um, but our office is right there downtown um, for the older crowd, you know, 21 and up, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, Fourth Street. That's where a lot of bars are. Uh, we got yes, a local libertarian who has a Cuban cigar bar within walking distance of our office. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of nightlife in that area. So, you know, you can do some good politics and then have a bourbon after. Yes, you can. Um <laughs> Whatever you do, don't go into one of those bars and order a Jack Daniels. They look at you funny. Um, <laughs> I used to do that. I'd, I'd drive up from Nashville and we go see concerts in Louisville all the time. And um, which is weird because we were in Nashville, but we would go to Louisville to catch concerts that weren't like touring down to Nashville. And we didn't mm -hmm. grab in a hotel and then we'd go out afterwards um, and we would go in and we would order. All of us would order Jack Daniels and the bartender would just stare at us a little bit like, all of you and like we're from nashville and he's like oh you're them <laughs> yeah 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 you charcoal filter and people you yeah <laughs> it's, i don't drink like so I, i'm seven years sober now um but yeah that's jack daniels was like that was my drink for years it was my drink yeah. and uh it started when i was in nashville because it was just everywhere and it would, that was like, that was, uh, what is it? The mother's milk. Like that was what we would go with. That's manna from heaven was our Jack Daniels. And, uh, I drank so much of that stuff that it ended up causing me to have to quit drinking. Um, yeah. Well, as long as you're not drinking Jim Bean, I'm happy. I, I have yeah. a personal vendetta against them. Yeah. Not drinking Jim Bean. No, too sweet. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, uh, if I may real quickly, uh, that pipeline and uh, a lot of that 
you know, local level activism that initially got me into the Libertarian Party proper and uh, eventually persuaded me to run as a candidate. I ran for state house. Um, I got 20 percent in a two way race as a libertarian for state house last year. So I hold my state's record um, as a third party candidate for you know that level of office. Um, we also had some libertarians run for state Senate do even better than that last year, too. But uh, I digress. My point being is that um, one of the bigger industries that abuse eminent domain here in Kentucky is the bourbon industry um, in my own community. Yeah, in my own community, the biggest culprit is Jim Beam. Um, they fund politicians. They work hand in hand with the utility companies. Um, they abuse the local residents. Uh, and they abuse our constitution through eminent domain. That yeah, and that's not surprising because you'll see that a lot. Where you know it's supposed to be for the good of the community and major corporations, Jim Beam being one of them, uh, they will go to the local politicians and say, "Hey, we need this, and it's for the good of the community because this will create jobs, or this will you know uh, we'll be able to build more event spaces for people, or whatever." And politicians are like. Thank you for your donation. And yes, we will vote for your eminent domain. There was the case in uh, Connecticut. I don't remember the name of the town off the top of my head uh, where Pfizer went in and they said, we want you, we want to take over this warehouse, um, but we want to build out sort of like a boardwalk area. Uh, we want to build a boardwalk area, but we would have to take over this neighborhood in order to do it. And the, mm -hmm. the, the town council, the city council there said, okay, we're going to vote yes. And people fought it and they ended up getting shot down. Um, they ended up getting shot down and the people were forced from their homes. And then Pfizer never finished the project. So those people were yeah. just forced out, forced out of their homes. And you see that with major corporations so much. Um, one of the, I'm a huge sports fan. Uh, I love, I love, I love baseball. I love football. I love college basketball. Um, but uh, uh, I'm not even going to tell you who I root for because I have a feeling that we wouldn't get along there. Um, oh, I'm not a sports ball fan at all. Cool. Um, but but you're from like most people from Kentucky who are sports ball fans don't like my teams at all. Any of them? Duke. Uh, yep, that's the one. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm indifferent um, to sports, really. I'm more of a gamer. Like you can see behind me that, you know, like that looming glare above my head, that's just a collection of Wii games. Um, beneath really? that, like, yeah, yeah. Like behind, like, all right. So Nintendo is the shelf directly behind me. Okay. And as you go down the shelf, they get older. So like so cool. down in this area, it's like NES, Super Nintendo, things like that. I got a couple Sega Genesis behind me. Um, I've got PlayStation over, you know, those are three PS1s. Okay. And then you got some PS2s up here, PS3 games, uh, several shelves of PS2, then PS1 there. These are actually Yu-Gi-Oh! and Magic cards, because that's what I do for a living is gaming. Um, buy, sell, trade, play in tournaments, that sort of thing. Um, gotcha. That's been my bread and butter since I was 16. That's a lot... Good on you. Like, I wish I could have figured out something like that at the age of 16. Instead, I was like, I want to be a writer. And you don't make a lot of money writing novels unless you're Stephen King. Um, 
But no, that in the last video game that I've owned was Tony Hawk One. Yeah, yeah, that it's was over the last one. <laughs> Yeah, that was the last one I owned, and uh, like I haven't really played video games since that disc broke. Um, <laughs> I was just like, I would stay up all night long playing Tony Hawk, and I was like, this might be a problem. So after that game broke, I just stopped playing. Um, you know, the drugs and the alcohol. So don't mail you a copy. No, don't. Well, I don't have a PlayStation anymore. So I don't have a video game system anymore. You, you would annoy my girlfriend so much because I would be up at 4 a.m. <laughs> just doing that, uh, the warehouse level in to- Pro Skater 1, just over and over again, getting so mad. Well, let me ask you, where do you stand on IP? Right, so intellectual property because you're a writer, right? But I am a where do you stand on like game emulators? So, as a writer, it's weird because I'm like, no, don't steal my work. But it, on the other side of it, I'm also like, I want people to read it. Like, I'd like you to pay me for it, but you're going to steal it anyway. Like, you're going to figure out a way if you want to read it. And honestly, if you're trying to steal my work, I'm kind of honored yeah but like i'm like "Eh, good for you like all right good um like i don't believe in intellectual property as a whole and i definitely don't believe in it in a lot of different ways selfishly yes because if i write something i want to be paid for it Mm -hmm. which is so like i kind of go back and forth but pretty much as an all-encompassing i think once it's out there in the world like it's out there in the world and there's not much else you can do with it. Yeah. Well, in that case, you know, you can put that Tony Hawk game on your phone. I have, it's an iPhone. <laughs> Is that? Yeah, you can jailbreak it. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> so you were, uh, <laughs> so you were, uh, <laughs> You were elected to the uh, chair. You you worked your way up from secretary, and you're now the chair of the Libertarian Party of Kentucky uh, back in March, correct? Yeah, so um, I'm currently secretary of the Rules Committee, and, uh, you know, that's a subcommittee, so, you know, like, there's no mutual exclusivities there. And then I'm the chair of LPKY as its whole. Um, so, you know, like, um, you know, prior to that, I was the vice chair. Prior to that, I was the district two chair. Prior to that, I was the district two vice chair. Prior to that, I was my county party chair. And prior to that, uh, I was just a county coordinator. So like the one libertarian who was active in my county at the time. Right. So in four years, I've gone from like, hey, uh, you guys told me to spin up a county party. Uh, here's a county party. Uh, and they're like, wow, we now have one yeah so my county party is the oldest county party affiliate that's you know still up uh we've had some spin up before and come back and fold and you know the warren county party is the second oldest currently and it had existed prior so you know like in the 50 years it's got bullet b but uh bullet by its current legal filing is the oldest uh, so I've got some pride in that. Um, I need to give it a little more focus than I do these days because I get spread up to the state level. Um, but basically what it was is I've got a local problem. I needed friends. I needed activists. I needed allies. And I needed a pathway in the political process to get 
this issue heard. And the Libertarian Party, for all of its faults, gave me a pathway. Um, it gave me the ability to talk about liberty and limited government and just real world tangibility, um, how these issues affect people. And, you know, before I knew it, I was trying to help people in the county adjacent to mine over in uh, Hardin County, over in E-Town. And I ended up on the district executive committee. And then I started button heads with my state executive committee. And before you knew it, I was on that one too. And so I've kind of, I guess, climbed my way up the ladder, building some of the rungs myself and Ken Molman giving me a huge help up as I went. Um, you know, it's been a huge team effort um, from, you know, a lot of people who had never been active in politics getting involved. Like I got to say a huge thank you to uh, Logan Nutt. Uh, he's the Bullet County vice chair right now. And he taught me about the American chestnut tree. Um, he is a forester and he's my county vice chair and he manages the 119 acres that is Fort Knox for their timber stand. So, oh, cool. uh, yeah, I actually share a property line with Fort Knox and I hate the military base so much that I ran as a candidate uh, and got 33 percent of the vote on base on a platform of getting rid of the base. <laughs> in a two-way race against a six-term Republican, one in three people on the base voted for the anarchist who wanted to get rid of the base because they abuse him in the domain. <laughs> oh, I saw I, I saw a meme the other day, and it was like, it was a picture of a military guy, and it was like, how can somebody who's a member of the government hate the government? And I'm thinking... I don't oh, know yeah. anybody. That, I don't know anybody that was in the military that doesn't hate the government in some way, shape, or form. Whether it's um, whether it's how the VA has treated them or stuff that they went through while they were in, like all of them hate the government. I don't know anybody going out saying we need more of that. So it doesn't surprise me that a lot of people on the base end up voting uh, libertarian or not voting at all. Yeah. My older brother, um, his name is Kenny. He's a, he's been a great influence on me. Um, sometimes not a good influence, I, but, uh, you know, at 17, um, you know, while he's still in high school and everything, he joined the military. Right. And at 18, he registered libertarian. <laughs> yeah. I, so I joined the military when I was 17. Um, like a fresh 17. I was like, I was the youngest person in my basic training by, by a wide margin. My parents had to sign my, uh, had to sign my contract because I was still a minor. And, um, yeah. and by the time I got through, uh, basic training and was in AIT, I hated the government. And I was like, we need to end all of this. Uh, it still took it took me a little while to get around to all of it because I, the the conservative was so entrenched in me from my family that it took me a while to realize about libertarianism and um, about libertarianism and about fighting for freedom and what freedom really meant because it wasn't the Republicans' vision of it, which I had always thought Republicans care about freedom, Democrats don't. Uh, it wasn't until later in life that I realized no. Neither of them care about freedom. They just care about imposing on you, the the the, the lesser than, uh, whatever they feel 
is important or moral or right. And that's not what freedom is. So once I finally came around to it, that was when I really started to blossom politically and figure out what it was that I cared about and the people that I wanted to support and the causes and the actions that I wanted to support. And in doing so, uh, I started getting active in my local and county here and my local and county affiliates here and my state affiliate here. Uh, And then that was when Florida was trying to ban Kratom, uh, which if you don't know, I don't know if you have kava bars and kratom bars in Kentucky. Um, yeah, the, yeah, by the look, we, of, we call them head shops. Uh, it's different, but yeah, you know, same. Yeah, same, yeah. Same, I mean, we, we same, same concept, kind of. Um, yeah. I don't ever recommend buying kratom from a head shop, but uh, so they were trying to ban it, and uh, I used to hang out at a. I still do. I still hang out at the Kava bar, but I was hanging out at this Kava bar and they were like, we, we don't want this to get banned. So I went and I helped them uh, up in at the Florida legislature in Tallahassee. And I talked about the good that Kratom does, uh, talked about the good that it had done for me. And that, you know, I'm like, this is a plant. This is a plant and that's it. Like it's a leaf of a tree and you are trying to ban it in the state. Makes no sense. And they ended up not doing it. They ended up not doing it. And that was sort of where I got catapulted into everything. And that's where Muddied Waters Media came from. Uh, uh, people who watch the show regularly know this, but Muddied Waters is a name for kava. And mm-hmm. it's because we always drank kava on the show when this show first started. I still do. Um but that is where the name came from, and it's because we were try- we were fighting to keep kava and kratom legal nationwide, um, and we've succeeded there. So I can always say that no matter what, we're a success. <laughs> well, I I won't be a success until we um, rework the constitution with a federal amendment that outlaws eminent domain. Um, and, uh, I mean, so that, that, that's my big one right there is, um, I get it. I get it. Like since, since then, since, since the inception of muddied waters media, like the goals have shifted, but that was it at the beginning. That was, that was the catalyst that started everything. And since then, you know, eminent domain, civil asset forfeiture, um, uh, gun, you know, all gun laws are unconstitutional. Basically, anything that we talk about regularly, you know, the planks that we that we all stand on, I would like to see mm-hmm. all of those survive. Um, but yeah, with with Kratom remaining legal in the U.S. and in Florida so far, uh, the thing that started everything we have been successful on. And I can't be happier uh, that at least I can say that. Hey, I'm proud of you, man. Hey, thanks, man. Um so what else do you have going on in Kentucky that's going to grow the Libertarian Party out there? Well, we have uh, 120 counties in the state of Kentucky. Uh, my ambition is to see a county affiliate in all of them. I'm going to cough real quick. I apologize. No, do your thing. <coughs> how many How many oh. counties have affiliates now? Um, one second. I apologize. No, no you're good. You're good. <coughs> I appreciate you taking the time when you don't feel well uh, to come on. Oh, dude, no, I'm, I, it's an honor to be on. 
Um, I just kind of swallowed my tongue weird, I guess. I don't know. Uh, anybody else ever do that? You, you just feel so intelligent immediately afterward. When you um, swallow your tongue weird? Outside, yeah, yeah. Outside of, outside of a seizure, I've never had that. <laughs> oh, well, okay. Well. <laughs> Uh, I don't know, like spit something, uh, hit the back of my throat weird. I've been dealing with strep throat all week and, uh, yeah, but, uh, let's see, we've got the Bullet County Libertarian Party. Uh, we got the Warren County, Barron County, Hancock County, uh, Scott County, Kenton County, Henry County, um, Oldham's on the way, Hardin's on the way, um, districts one and five have a couple they're working on. Um, Kenton and Boone, I think are both up now. <clears throat> so we're a little over a dozen right now. Uh, so it's about 10% up, but hopefully we'll get all the way there. If you don't mind, I'm going to go grab a cough drop. I think that might solve this problem. No, do, do, do I'll thing. be back in like less than a minute. No, that's cool. Do your thing. Um, in the meantime, oh. remember everybody, uh, if you would like to be a supporter of this show, all you have to do is go to anchor.fm slash muddied water slash subscribe and you can you can uh, for ten dollars a month you can get exclusive content you can get a discount at the muddied waters media store uh, and you will get an opportunity to get on a zoom call with me Jason Lyon Spike Cohen uh, once a month that we will broadcast live so it is definitely worth the ten dollars a month that you would be spending on it um, so again Anchor.fm slash muddied waters slash subscribe. Um, I'm alive. You are alive. <laughs> you are alive. Yeah, so I was on Dutch Smith and I was, uh, I probably ate like 40 cough drops just so I didn't like die in the middle of that interview. Yeah, uh, okay, so you have what it sounded like about 15 to 20 county affiliates. Uh, yeah, we're probably close to 15. Um, I've okay. got them, you know, wrote down. I, I got a map and I stick pins in them as I felt, you know, success. And, um, but what's really important is it the number that we have currently affiliated, but take, for example, the second congressional district, right? So that's my home okay. district. Uh, current Congressman is Brett Guthrie, right? It's not just that we've got that, you know, we've got five county affiliates in that district. But we have a point of contact, like a grassroots person actively currently in all but four of those 19 counties in that district. Right. So, um, you know, 15 out of 120 sounds like we're pretty far from the goal of having all 120. But we've got a point of contact, a county coordinator in almost every single one of those in D2. Um, and as our, you know, other counties and other districts get more and more built up over the next two years, uh, having LPKY fully spun up in the next two years, it's on the roadmap. It's possible. And it's not just, oh, we got a social club. It's candidates. Like my county ran a full slate in 2020. Every oh, wow. county resident had a libertarian on their ballot at every level. That's amazing. That's a, that's actually a massive uh, accomplishment because so Pinellas County, where I live here, uh, Pinellas County, we have had, I think that we have had that two or three times since its inception. 
Yeah. And that, wow. well, that's I, not a lot. We spun off that county affiliate um, less than two years prior to having that. And thankfully, it was a smaller election year, not as many offices. Um, in 22, we've got so many offices. We'd have to run like 30, 40, 50 candidates to fill them all in my county. Um, part of that's because each municipality has six city council seats and we have five municipalities in the county. <laughs> so that's a lot of, uh, you know, um, but, you know, I, I, it just felt really good to be on the ballot as a candidate and to have more libertarians surrounding me, not only when I'm going to events, um, but also when I myself as a voter went to the ballot box and saw that I, I like for the first time in my life, I had a ballot that I could cast that I was comfortable with at all levels. Yeah. I get that. Um, yeah. There's been numerous times that I've gone and, you know, I've only checked like three boxes. Like when yeah. I went to, when I voted in uh, 2020, uh, when I voted in 2020 and 2018, uh, and when I voted in 2020, I checked the box for president. Um, I voted no on a couple of judges. Cause I was just like, I just don't want them in anymore. I didn't even know who yeah. was running against them, but I knew those judges and I was like, I hate those judges. So I'm voting no for them to be reelected. Um, and, uh, I voted for two city council members and it's a nonpartisan race. And those people aren't technically libertarians, but I knew enough of their views where I thought they're libertarian enough that I can feel comfortable voting for them. Um, but same, same thing in, uh, 2018, uh, I voted. We, I don't even think we had a libertarian running for governor that year here in Florida. And I don't think we've had one since Adrian Wiley ran back in 14. Yeah, 2014. Um, I think he was the last libertarian governor that we had running. And in 2018, I I sucked it up and I voted for DeSantis just because I really didn't like the other guy. So I did a defensive vote. Um, but the rest of the ballot, I kind of left blank except for judges again, where I was just like, nope, nope. <laughs> like I basically go to vote against judges and against constitutional amendments. Yeah. Well, but man, we definitely need better elections, don't we? We we need better elections. And a lot of that comes from uh, getting better media and getting more money and getting uh, more exposure because that's I mean, that's one of the issues that we have is we don't have enough exposure uh, and you can't get more exposure without money, unfortunately, in the way that this system is set up. Um I don't know. To me, what's really worked well is uh, just go out and talk to your neighbors. Yeah. Door to door. Uh, door, to door like door as door. a human being, like go to when you go to Kroger and you're talking to the to the, you know, to the teenager or whomever that's checking out your girl, just have a conversation with them. Introduce yourself. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Like it, it annoys the hell out of my girlfriend sometimes. Um, she's actually my county party secretary, uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, so she's a libertarian and she helps out a lot with the party and all of that. And, you know, she keeps me going, which is, you know, uh, you know, really sweet of her, but, um, <laughs> she tolerates me when, you know, every chance I get, I'm talking to somebody in my community about libertarianism. It doesn't matter who or for how long or for what, um, 
And it's, you know, I, I was the state party vice chair um, when I ran as a candidate, but I was also assisting on several other up ticket campaigns. Um, in fact, there were three campaigns up ticket from me. And during 2020, I had a hand on all three campaigns. Uh, so I really didn't get to give the focus to my own campaign like I should have. Um, you know, a lot of people said, yeah, you know, state house, it's pretty lofty ambition or party's not likely to win. I could have won it. Like, seriously, uh, I got 20% on a $0 campaign that I, I kind of ran because I didn't have a candidate to run. So I threw my name on there and I got, and it's just name recognition, like four years of going to city council meetings, talking to my neighbors, talking with my community, got me nearly 4,000 votes. Uh, for context, Joe Jorgensen got 26,000 statewide in Kentucky. Right. Um, so, you know, it, 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 having some big name recognition will help you some, it will apparently get you 26,000. Um, but you know, you know, Brad Barron campaign, I worked with a lot. He got, you know, over 80,000 closer to 90. Um, you know, we are, we have not even hit our stride yet as libertarians. Um, and I, I think that having grassroots connections is where it's at. I, and I agree. Like I've always said that going door to door is the best campaigning you can do, getting out there and actually meeting the people in the community. Um, the hardest, the, cause I've gone, so I've gone door to door on a number of campaigns in my life. And the biggest thing, the biggest obstacle I've had to overcome was people saying, yeah, but can you win? And I'm always yeah. and the the answer I always say is yes. If everybody who doesn't like these two options votes third party, we win, and then you don't have to worry about whether you don't have to question it ever again. Mm -hmm. And I and they're like, yeah, but you never get on media. So it's not really like I'm not worried about having a name running because like mm -hmm. Gary Johnson was possibly the biggest name the libertarian party's ever had um possibly the biggest name that the libertarian party's ever had and he couldn't break five percent that wasn't because he wasn't a name that was because the only media that he really had was when they brought him on and asked him the aleppo question everything other yeah. than that yeah everything other than that you never saw him on anything um the fake heart attack too like you saw that and then you saw the Aleppo question and nothing else. So if you didn't actively seek him out, you would have not known anything else about him. But you're not going to get that without paying for advertising. Yeah. Well, at the, the local locals, level. In, yeah. In the locals, it's in the locals. It's different. Um, I've been dealing with national news for so long. Uh, I kind of forgot about this part. But yeah, in the locals, it's different. If you go door to door. If you go door to door in, in many city councils or town councils or whatever, uh, they're nonpartisan races. You can win. You can absolutely win going door to door. And that's where you're going to have the opportunity to show that libertarianism works. And then from there, you can move up to your state houses, state legislatures, state senates, whatever, and move your way up there. And after you show people that it works on a local level and then it works on a state level, that's when you're going to start winning federally. Yeah, we need to grow our own breed of career politician. Right. 
We need, yeah, we need to grow our own breed of career politician, or at least, you know, show that libertarianism works here so other libertarians can get in at higher levels. Because the people who are focused on the city levels, they know their city politics exceptionally well. Uh, the people who are focused on the state, they know the state really well. And when you're looking at national, those people have like just that wide net of so many different things. Um, it's, mm-hmm. it's like the doctorate thing where it's like, People graduate from college with this much knowledge and then you get your master's and it's you focused in on this much and then you get your doctorate and it's like a pinhole, but you've got your doctorate in something so small. It's sort of like that, except the opposite, where when you're just focused on the city, you know that city and you know the politics happening in that city and you know what that city needs, where when you're focused on the state, you have a slightly bigger viewpoint. To, in order to make sure that you know what's going on throughout the entire thing. Um, and then nationally, you have to know what's going on everywhere. Um, so it really is just all about, like, I wouldn't say that we need a career politician, but you need to show that yeah. it works locally in order to get other libertarians in who are more focused at those levels uh, on in office. Yeah, and uh, I guess one one instance of it is uh, how many people who join the LP start off by saying, hey, I'm going to run for president or I'm going to run for LNC or I'm going to run for, you know, uh, spin up your county party. Right. Run for dog catcher. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, run, run for local, run for local anything. Uh Spike had a tweet uh, not too long ago, and he goes, somebody joins the Libertarian Party, decides they're going to run, gets $5,000, and decides they're going to run for Senate. You're not going to win. It's just not going to happen. Run for city council. Mm -hmm. Run for town council. Run run for tax collector. I don't like run locally and show that it works there, because that is how you're going to convince people that it's going to work on higher levels. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, so we are pretty much out of time. We're actually a little bit over what time I normally go till. And by- oh, I apologize. Oh, no, you're fine. I was, I was enjoying talking to you. Um, my girlfriend is, uh, is, uh, passive aggressively like blowing the food she's making under the door and I can smell it. And I'm like, Oh, I guess it's time. Um, <laughs> So, uh, give me, pitch me on, uh, everything. Uh, where can people go to help out the LPKY? Where can they go to help out the different County affiliates? Uh, any events that you guys got going on? Uh, let me know, let everybody know what, uh, how they can help out the Libertarian party of Kentucky. Well, um, the easiest way to get in contact with us is lpky.org slash sign up. Uh, you can get on there. You can sign up. We'll get your information. The uh, National Party will get it, too, you know, because of uh, the whole joint CRM project. Um, you can make a donation to LPKY there. Um, and, you know, if, uh, after you get signed up with us or if you make a donation or both, uh, we'll be reaching out to you. Uh, if we don't, please reach out to us. Pester us. You know, if you want to get involved, don't let us let you fall through the cracks, right? We're volunteers. And um, if nobody calls you in a week, sign up again, call me. My phone number is 502-601-1973. That's my personal phone number. 
um you know give me a call um you can send me an email uh see is that not good like don't give out your personal phone i'm happy to you know talk to anybody anytime about libertarianism right and you can find me on for me really see i did that last night on break the cycle too and josh was like you're a madman and i'm like Worst case scenario, somebody calls me and it's like, hey, I saw you on Muddy Waters. Here's a, you know, a penis photo. And I'm like, okay, so you want to get involved locally? Just don't send that photo around. <laughs> Are you going to get involved locally? Because now technically I own this photo. <laughs> I don't know who you are. You better um, not run for Congress. <laughs> Come on, Andrew. Yeah, no, uh, we know what this is. <laughs> you are really reaching here. Um, <laughs> Bill Clinton, yeah, stop. Yeah, no, lpky.org. Uh, sign up or donate, either one. Uh, call me, text me, whatever. Um, you can find us on Twitter. Um, you know, we're, we're quickly growing on there as, a, as an LP affiliate. Um, we're coming from you guys Texas. You got some good stuff uh, coming out of your, off your Twitter. Yeah, um, we got a good comms director. He uh, took over when I became chair. Uh, he's got a degree in marketing, and he has read Mises. And those were the prerequisites we had for a comms guy, you know, have somebody who understood the philosophy and understood how to physically operate a phone, which is probably better than me. I don't use social media. I'm, I've got like eight followers on Twitter. Um, so, you know, I'm not too big on social media. A lot of that's because uh, screen time hurts my eyes. Um, so, you know, like that's why I've started wearing hats as a habit. They block a lot of the sunlight reflections, things like that. Right. Well, I appreciate you taking the time and talking with me tonight. Um, everybody, lpky.org slash sign up, uh, and you can help out the Libertarian Party of Kentucky and they are doing great work out there. Uh, they're doing fantastic work out there and it is always a pleasure to uh, get somebody from Kentucky on because I, I love Kentucky and I want to live there one day. Uh, if you guys get rid of this state income tax, I would seriously consider it. Yeah, just don't pay it. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> I feel like your governor would not be real happy with me if I didn't pay my income tax. Since he would get well, mad at for me for leaving. Yeah. Well, for context, I'm the guy who filed for impeachment of our governor the, uh, this year. And uh, our last governor told me that if I didn't like eminent domain, I should get the hell out of the country. Told me that to my face. So uh, I'm not too uh, too good at giving people advice on not to tick off their governors. But uh, <laughs> just don't pay it. Um yeah, like that's why, I, like I, I left when I left Virginia. I went to Tennessee because there was no income tax, and then I came to Florida, and it was between Florida and Texas, just because there's no income tax. I was like, yeah, I'm not paying that ever again. Um, yeah. Well, we might do a free county project uh, once me and my girlfriend finally settle on a homestead. Uh, we currently got five acres now, but Ken Molman's got this wonderful idea for uh, a free county project. Uh, I, I'm trying to force him to name it Molman County. He doesn't want the uh, the notoriety, but you know, uh, I'm I'm going to do it without his consent because you know that that's what we do in the LP. We've all told people, right? Yeah, that's how I am a member of the Libertarian Party. Um, I was signed up. 
But uh, yeah, name it Ken County because you can always say, no, no, that's a different Ken. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's so, um, <laughs> yeah, I'll give you the scoop on that sometime uh, on another interview, maybe sometime. No, once absolutely. we get the gears rolling. Uh, I, I, I would love to have you in Kentucky. I would, man, I would love to, like, I love Kentucky. Kentucky is one of the most beautiful states I've ever been in, and I've been in almost all of them. Um, I, yeah, when I was living in Tennessee, I liked going to Kentucky. Like, people were like, hey, let's go for whatever. And I'd be like, yeah, we're going to Kentucky. So, I would go to Elizabethtown or E-Town as you call it. Um, I would go to Elizabethtown. There's nothing there. And I loved it. I loved Elizabethtown. Hey, there's a roll king. That's like the coolest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, You got to go there for tractor parts and for baby chicks. Like that's like half of my date. I take Reagan on is to go look at the, the chickens at roll king. <laughs> um yeah i have a buddy that he was a doctor in um i think it was pikeville pikeville kentucky yeah I, yeah he was a doctor out there uh he's like my oldest friend in the world and he was he he was a doctor out there and he just took a fellowship in north carolina but as soon as that's over they're planning on going back uh because he was like no i love i love kentucky and i was like well, well if you go, give him my number um the District 5 party is doing well. Um, Dr. Don Stacy is our District 5 chair. Um, so, you know, I'm sure the two of them will get along quite well. And um, District 5 has a membership director who is also from Pikeville. And, uh, you know, Devin will get in touch. You know, I mean, you know, it, it, we, we've got mobility out there. Let's get them involved. Yeah, I'll, I'll... When when he comes back to Kentucky, I will definitely do that. Like I don't know how I think he's in North Carolina for like two or three years for this fellowship. Uh, but once mm-hmm. he gets back, once he gets back, uh, I will let him know and get you guys in touch with each other because uh, he would be a fantastic add to the LPKY. You guys would love like and him. hate him. You would love and hate him. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on. I would love to have you on again, especially talk about the free County project. Um, whenever you guys get that rolling and anytime you guys have anything going on in Kentucky, obviously you have the support of all of muddied waters media. Uh, so if you guys need anything, please don't hesitate to reach out because you have our backs and, or we have your backs and I'm certain you guys have ours. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> gotta say it at least uh yeah yeah we we have your back you know spike has done so much for us out here in kentucky particularly today um if you him your families your friends anybody ever need anything you know we're ken right we're both uh descendants of hatfields yeah we're descendants of hatfields we're 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 very distant cousins um by marriage though but yeah you know, um, whatever. well, because my aunt, you know, she married it. You know, no. Problem, okay. But. Yeah, I mean, you just said your aunt, so I was like, oh, yeah, oh. <laughs> it could be your mom's sister. Um, well, oh, no, it's my dad's brother's wife. There you go. <laughs> when you're like, she married it on. Oh, okay, gotcha. That's different. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, and I mean, yeah, we're sort of related in a way by marriage, but I'm not going to hold that against you because you're a good guy. Uh, but no, uh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Uh, if you want to hang out for a little bit, uh, I'm going to do the closing and then I'll talk to you a little bit afterwards. Sounds good. Cool. All right.
to everybody else, thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate all of you. Um, I appreciate all of you. I'm making my girlfriend so mad today with some of the things that I have said on this episode. And nobody would understand why it's making her mad except for me. Um, but thank you all so much for tuning in. Uh, tomorrow... We have a brand new episode of Cajun and Eskimo from Bayous to Igloos at 9.30 Eastern here on Muddied Waters Media. And then taking the weekend off because we need to rest too. And on Monday, Jason Lyon returns with a brand new episode of uh, Mr. America, The Bearded Truth. And he has Joe Garcia on to talk about police reform. Uh, that's going to be at 8 o'clock on Monday. It's going to be a fantastic show. Then on Tuesday, join me and Spike Cohen right here as we parse through the week's events like the... We're in autumn now, aren't we? Like the sweet little autumn cherubs that we are. The sweet, wonderful autumn cherubs that we are. And then next Wednesday, Spike has... Alexander Salter on My Fellow Americans at 8 o'clock next Wednesday. And then join me here at 8 o'clock, same muddied time, same muddied channel for Nate Atkins, who is running for mayor of Minneapolis. Uh, so you're not going to want to miss that show. Um, I'm getting such dirty looks because I said I liked Elizabeth Town, and nobody will understand that but me. Um, so tune in. Thank you all so much. Um, I may have said this fact before, but I'm going to say it again. Uh, your fun fact of the week, Mountain Dew was initially created, I believe in Kentucky to be a mixer for whiskey and bourbon and moonshine. That was what it was originally created for. Um, so have a great weekend. Uh, I will see you all soon. And uh, until next time, remember, you are perfect just the way you are. I am. I am. I am swinging from a seven-story window. Throwing parties in a 10 by 7 cell. It's astounding the legs I'll go. To convince the whole damn world I don't need anybody's help. Yeah, I am way. your body is a life raft cause if there's room enough for one there must be room enough for two I'll sail your ship you into the sunset sipping on savory water till my liver turns blue This broadcast of the evening news, I will be Drag you down. La, 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 la.
guitarra singing Hey, hey, alright, share a one myself It's a standard, the lengths I'll go To convince the whole damn world I don't need anybody's help 